Good morning again and welcome to Liberty. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Anybody? Well, let me just say to you today, we're going to wrap up a series we started uh, together a couple weeks ago entitled The Four Invitations of Christ. And as we were singing the last song we were singing, we were praying, God, we want more of you. And, and I really want to just kind of answer that question today because I think the power uh, of this two-week series really does answer the question, uh, is there more? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you just looked at your life and you're going to work and you're paying the bills and you're raising the kids and you're washing the clothes and you're doing the dishes and you're just in that every day, every day is the same thing and it's just over and over and over again. Have you ever been in that place where you just kind of step back and said, God, is there more? God, isn't there more? Does there, there has to be more to life than just working and paying bills and raising kids and doing clothes and mowing the yard and, and doing all the things that we just seemingly do every day over and over and over again. So if you have ever asked that question, God, is there more to my life than just the normal, ordinary things that I'm doing every day? I want to just give you a resounding yes today. There is more to life than just paying bills and raising kids. There's more to life than just mowing the yard and keeping the clothes clean. There's more to life than just doing the same old thing every day over and over again. And the, and the way that we experience more is by simply learning how to say yes to God. Learning how to answer what we're calling the four invitations of Christ. Because when you think about it, everything in your Christian life, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, everything in your Christian life is the direct result of you responding to an invitation from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you don't get saved because one day you have a great idea that you want to follow God. Jesus actually said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw them. Our salvation only happens because God invites us unto himself. He calls us to himself and he says, I want you to come in, I want you to know me. And so our salvation, the beginning of our Christian journey, really begins with just a response. We are responding to God's invitation. And I just want to say to you today that everything about this life, if you want to tap into more, if you want to get out of the mundane of just living a boring life where you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again and you want to begin to live an adventure, I want to just tell you how you do that. You learn to say two words and here's the two words, yes, Lord. You learn how to say yes, Lord. When you learn how to say yes, Lord, God, I'm going to follow you. Yes, Lord, I'm going to obey you. Yes, Lord, I'm going to respond to what you're calling me to do. It is at that moment that your life breaks out from the shell of the mundane and you begin to step in to the extraordinary life called Christianity. I had an opportunity just this past week, I was meeting with a couple in our church and uh, we were doing a breakfast meeting at Hardee's and, and in the middle of that little conversation that we were having, the, the cashier overheard our conversation. She said, oh, y'all are talking about the Bible. I used to go to church and all of a sudden we began to share with her. Before we leave Hardee's that morning, she's sitting in the bench next to me and we're leading her to Christ and she's praying to accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And that really is, is that's exciting. Man, how exciting is that? That, that in the middle of a restaurant that somebody that came to work that day thinking it was just going to be another ordinary day that their eternal destination was forever changed just because somebody was willing to say yes to Jesus and when we begin to say yes Lord I want to just say to you today your life, my life radically 
begins to change. So let's look at the first point on your outline this morning and just kind of revisit a couple of thoughts. We said, number one, the invitations of Christ are progressive. Jesus is continually calling us to go deeper. No matter where you are, no matter how long you've been saved, whether you know the Lord today or whether you're thinking about who Jesus is this morning, I want you to understand there is a progressive call in Christ. And that's exciting to me because that simply means this. It means that I will, as long as I keep saying yes to God, I will never grow bored in my Christianity. You become stagnant and stale as a Christian when you stop responding to the invitations of God. You become stagnant and stale as a Christian and you become bored in your Christianity when you stop responding to the invitations of the Lord. And so there's four invitations and we talked about two of them two weeks ago. The first one we said is the invitation of Christ. The first invitation is an invitation of examination and that is that God literally asks us to just come taste and see that the Lord is good. It is an invitation of examination. And the exciting thing about these four invitations is that you never outgrow any of them. And what I mean by that is simply this. Uh, there is, you and I should always be in a place of examination. God is always inviting us to check him out just a little bit deeper. Just to check him out, just, just to taste and see. Have you ever ate something? You remember eating some food for the first time? Uh, Samantha's boyfriend, his name's John Wesley, he just got back from a mission trip to Ecuador. And he said while they were in Ecuador, they fed him chicken foot soup. And they fed him some other stuff that he couldn't even really describe. And uh, they, they called this stuff called chicha, which is they chew on a root and spit the juice into a jar and then serve it to their guests. Isn't that exciting? And, and so he's telling me about this. And so they give him this coconut shell with this chicha in it with this spit soup. And, 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 and he said, I just decided I'm just going to down it. Right? But that's normally not how we do when we're tasting something new. Right? When, I, when I'm, somebody's trying to get me to taste something like, I don't know, a vegetable, uh, I just always get a little bit, because I don't like vegetables, I get a little bitty bite, right? And I just put it in my... Can I just see whether I like it or not, you know? You know what? God invites us to do that. And God is not, God is not intimidated by examination. And God is not offended by examination. God actually invites us to examine him. One of the first things he said to his disciples in the very beginning as he was calling together those that would follow him, he just simply said, come and see, come and see what I'm doing. Come and see where I'm living. Come and see what's happening in my life. God literally just invites you to taste and see that God is good. And, and that happens. The, the exciting thing we said two weeks ago is that, that honest evaluation produces salvation. If you don't know God and you come to God with an honest heart, it will always lead you to a life-giving relationship with Jesus. It will always lead you there. Why? Because honest examination always reveals the reality that God is good, that God is great, that God loves you, and that He is inviting you to know him that is the greatest invitation of all and that is the invitation to know Christ as your Lord and Savior and so examination is awesome and, and you know what we never outgrow that because God actually loves hungry people see because hungry people will eat things other people won't eat right you ever been really hungry or you ever been really thirsty right you know I mean, I mean it's been 100 degrees this week and everybody's like Whew, you know and if you're really thirsty 
It doesn't matter if you don't like water, right? How many of you people don't like water? There's people that don't, they're all over the place, right? If you don't like water, if you're like really thirsty, you'll just take, give me that water, right? And then you might not like sweet tea, but if you're really thirsty, you'll take that sweet tea. Because the reality is simply this. When you are hungry and thirsty, you will go beyond your natural limits and you will invite things into your life that you would normally not invite in. And the Bible says that God loves hungry people so much that he actually gives a promise for hungry people. This is God's promise. He says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know what God promises? God promises that if you come to him hungry and thirsty, he will satisfy your soul. He will fill the longing of your heart when you come before God with a hungry and a thirsty spirit that's literally just a response. That hunger and thirst is literally just a response to God's examination, to God's invitation to examine him and know him more deeply. The second invitation we talked about two weeks ago is the invitation of revelation. We said that God begins to reveal himself to you and then he invites you into a spiritual life. He invites you into a realm of living that is beyond anything you can ever comprehend. When you begin to live by the Spirit, all of a sudden you begin to walk in a realm that is supernatural and you begin to experience things you could never experience. When that young lady got saved in Hardy's the other day, let me tell you something, that was not a religious experience, that was a spiritual experience. That was a spiritual encounter with God. When people come to the altar with tears running down their face, with hands lifted, that's not a religious experience, that's a spiritual experience. Experience. When God begins to lead you and draw upon your heart and you feel the prodding and the moving of God to say something or do something or, or to minister to somebody or to help somebody, that's not a religious experience. That's a spiritual experience. And, and you know that you've moved into the realm of revelation and you've responded appropriately because really it's just as simple as saying, yes, Lord, right? Because God begins to speak by his spirit and you know you're living by revelation when you stop walking by what you see and you start living by what you hear see revelation is when God begins to speak and all you've got to do is say yes Lord I want to listen it is amazing what you will hear when you listen we did a youth camp a couple years ago and Pastor Kelly taught a session on hearing the voice of God and we had the kids just scatter all out and we took 30 minutes and we said for 30 minutes uh, you can't text, you can't talk, and you can't communicate with anybody you can see. And we gave them just a little experiment. We said, we want you to take a, a notepad, and we gave them a notepad and an ink pen, and we said, we want you to read. We gave out a couple verses. We said, we want you to read this verse, and then we just want you to listen, and then we want you to write down what you hear. About 50 kids, young people, Every person heard something. Every one of them. And what was exciting was that they were fired up. That they had heard the voice of God. And they wrote down things. Some of it was really profound. Some of it was what we would think was really simple. But it was amazing that God began to speak simply because they responded to the invitation of revelation that says, God says, I will speak if you will only listen. Be still, the scripture says, and know that I am God. 
Today, our third invitation, we're going to hang out on three and four today, is, uh, is really exciting because it's an invitation of participation and God is inviting me and you to join Him in His work. Just this morning as I was praying, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, He said, He said, there is, He said, I have written a story and I have invited you to be a part of my story and there are no insignificant roles in His story. There are no insignificant roles in the story of God, right? History, you know what history is? History is His story, right? When you look back on history, what do you see? You see the story of God. You see God working and moving in the hearts and lives of people. And God says, you know what? Not only is there a story of history, there's a story of today and there's a story for tomorrow. God has written a script and you are supposed to be a part of it. You're supposed to be a part of it. Now, the challenge is is that most Christians come to church like going to a movie. How many of you like a good movie? Anybody like a good movie? I like a, I like a good guy movie. Let's blow something up. Let's kill something. You know, needs to be exciting. Kelly likes some lovey-dovey, girly movies, you know, and people cry. I'm like, why do you want to go to the movies and cry? You know, I want to go to the movies and go, yeah! You know, just good stuff. We all like a good movie. I hope you do. I like a good movie. And when I go to the movies, you know, you go to the movies, you sit in the theater, and you watch somebody's story. And unfortunately, most Christians have a theater mentality Christianity. And that is that we come to a church every Sunday, and we sit in our theater seats, and we watch God's story. And sometimes we applaud Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we go, yeah. Then we go home. Come back next Sunday and say, man, I hope it's a good story. I hope they sing my favorite song. I hope Pastor Keith, man, I hope he's got a word for me. I hope I feel what I felt last week. I hope I experienced, man, you know what? That last story, man, it made me feel so good. I felt like I conquered the world. I want to feel that way again. This week, and every week we, we come to the Christian movie theater called Church. And we say, man, let's see the story. I want to tell you something today. God wants to get you out of the seat and into the stage of his story. God wants you to get out of the seat and into the stage of his story. Now, God's story really doesn't really happen here. Just a little piece of God's story happens in church. I mean, you know, God's story happens out there. God's story happens on your job and in your family and in our community and in our world. And God is inviting us as Christians to an invitation of participation where God says, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to get into my story. God's wrote a story with your name on it. And you have a significant role to play in the movie that God has written about not our lives, but his purpose. And we can be a part of God's story. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says this. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now look at verse 9. This is a great verse. It says, for we are laborers together with God. How many... How many People in here have ever worked construction. Any construction workers? Awesome. Lots of good folks. And the rest of you are really thankful for them people that built your house, right? Amen. Amen. So construction. The Bible says we are laborers together 
with God. There is a part that only God can play, and there is a part that is intended for you. Let me give you a great thought. God won't do your part, and you can't do His. God won't do your part, and you can't do His. And so we are laborers together with God. We have a part to play in the story of heaven that God is wanting to accomplish on earth. Now here's a simple thought. Now I work construction. I laid carpet for years. And the exciting thing about being a carpet layer is that when I laid carpet, I came in, right, and the walls were up and the roof was on. And praise God, the heat and air was installed. Everything was painted. And I was, I was almost like the last guy. I mean, I was like the last guy, right? And when the carpet layer came, right, the homeowners knew, man, they were about to move in. Man, they were about to move in. And, and, and that was exciting because I had a part to play in fulfilling the dream that they had in their life. But here's, here's something significant. Sometimes I would go out to lay carpet and the guy that was supposed to finish the baseboard or the trim or the painting or whatever didn't finish his job. And so I had to leave. I couldn't lay the carpet until he finished his work. And the Holy Spirit sent me here to tell you today that there are some of you, there are some things that God is wanting to finish in your life that can't be finished until you do what he's told you to do. Until you get involved in the journey that God has for you. There's some things in your family and you say, I'm waiting on God. And God says, no, I'm waiting on you. God says, I'm going to bring the finishes touch. I'm going to bring the final improvements. I'm going to bring the final blessing. He said, but until I can do what I've been called to do, you've got to do what I've called you to do. To do. There are some things in your family that God's wanting to finish, but he can't finish them until you do your part. There are some things in your finances that God's wanting to do, and God can't do it until you do your part. There are some things in our country that God's wanting to do, but he can't do it until the church does the church's part. See, God won't do our part, and we can't do his but when we begin to understand that we're laborers together with God, man, I've got a part to play. And guess what I found out a long time ago? God is faithful. If I'll do my part, he'll do his. I promise you. He will do his. If I'll do my part, God will do his part. And so in, I want you to see this morning, you have been invited to be a participator. I want to give you a couple other scriptures. Matthew chapter 10. I want you just to see the heart of God. Matthew chapter 10. One of the first things Jesus does as he launches his earthly ministry. One of the first things he does is he builds a team of people. We call them the 12 disciples. And he invites them to be a part of what he's doing. He invites them to be a part of of what he's doing. Now Jesus is God, right? He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He is the redeemer of all mankind. In reality, you would think Jesus could have done what God called him to do all alone, but he didn't. Because Jesus knew in order to fulfill his part in God's story, other people had a part to play. And you're saying, well, Pastor Keith, are you saying that God can't do what God wants to do in my life until I do my part? That is exactly what I'm saying. Psalm 78 says this of the children of Israel. They limited God. They limited God. How did they limit God? They didn't do their part. 
They didn't do their part. They didn't play their role. They didn't accept the invitation of participation. And even though God wanted to do a miraculous supernatural things in their lives, he was limited. Why? Because we are laborers together with God. And so the first thing Jesus did is he built a team. Look at the scripture. And when he had called his 12 disciples to them, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Look at our next verse, just a couple verses down. And this is what he said to them. He said, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Look at that last part. Give as freely as you have received. So Jesus, first thing he did in ministry is he began to step out and do what God has called him to do. He invited other people to be a part. And not only just to be a part, there were many times when you read the Bible, Jesus would send his disciples ahead of him to get things ready for his appearing. How many times is God trying to do that in our lives? How many times has God invited you to join him in his work? Why? Because God wanted to show up in your life. And all you had to do was go ahead of him and do the thing he told you to do. And when you got it ready, guess what he'll do? He'll show up. See, there's some showing up that God wants to do in our lives if we will only answer the invitation of participation. God is inviting us to join him. Let me give you one more scripture and we're going to give you another thought, bring some clarity. Matthew 14 says, Then he commanded Jesus, commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Now let's look at the next point on your outline. Jesus took the fish and the loaves. He gave thanks to them. He blessed them. He broke it. And then the Bible says he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the the multitude. See, the number one, the number one excuse that I get when I talk to people, why aren't you serving God? Why aren't you involved in ministry? Why aren't you a part of our dream team? Why aren't you using your gifts and your talents for the Lord? This is what I hear every time. I don't feel qualified. I haven't been saved long enough. I don't know enough of the Bible. I can't even quote any scripture. I'm not good at praying. Right? I've never been to Bible college. Well, me neither. Join the club. Uh, you know, we have all these excuses as to why we can't minister, why we can't serve God, why we can't join the invitation of the Lord to participate with what he's doing. And this is what the Lord just really quickened in my heart. He said, every one of us, you are qualified for participation because you have received something from God. See, ministry, this is ministry. Let me give you a great definition of ministry. Ministry is simply giving to others what God has given to you. That's ministry. Ministry is giving to others what God gave to you. In Matthew 10, when Jesus called the 12 disciples, the Bible says he gave them power over the enemy, and then he told them to go out and freely give as he had given to them. In Matthew 14, when he blessed and broke the fish and the loaves, he gave it to the disciples, and then the disciples just gave to others what God had given to them. That's ministry. Ministry is simply giving to others what God has given to you. And so if you're here today, anybody here today been saved? Anybody? Anybody been born again? Praise God. Guess what? If you've received salvation, you're equipped to give it. Well, Pastor Keith, I still don't know any Bible verses. That's okay. You can lead somebody to the Lord without a Bible verse. Not the way preachers really like to do it, but you can do it. 
Right? You can say something just crazy like this. You can say, man, you know what? Man, my life was falling apart. My marriage was falling apart. And man, I was just in a crazy place. I didn't know what to do. And so I ended up going to church. And all of a sudden at church, man, I just, I just, I just, went, I just said, yes, Lord. And I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I don't really understand what that really fully means. But all I know is that when I said yes to God, my heart changed. Something changed within me. And my, 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 my life has been radically different. And it's just been a week. And all I know is that what God did for me, he says he'll do for everybody. And if you want what I got, all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. People have been saved a whole lot, with a whole lot less than that. Right? You don't have to know the Bible to lead somebody to Christ. Because if you've received salvation, you are now qualified to share and minister salvation to other people. If you've ever been healed, if you've ever been delivered, if you've ever been set free, if you've ever had God break chains off your life, guess what? If you've received it, you are equipped to minister it. All you got to do is tell others what God did for you. That's it. That's ministry. Ministry is sharing with others what God has freely given to you. That is ministry. You don't need a pulpit. You don't need a keyboard. You don't need a microphone. All you need is an opportunity. And every day our lives are filled with opportunities to begin to participate with God. To answer the invitation to join arms with heaven and be a part of God's story. So ministry is simply taking what you've received and giving it to others. And every person in this room is qualified to do that. Let's look at our scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. The Bible says this, I'll praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Look at verse 4. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort. Y'all say same comfort. God's not asking you to give people something you've never received. God's not asking you to share something you don't know. God's not asking you to minister something you've never experienced. With the same comfort we've received from God, God gives us the ability to give that same comfort to other people. If you've ever been in a broken place and somebody brought, stopped by your house and gave you a bucket of KFC chicken, amen, that's right. Glenn, I like your wife. She's a pretty great lady. No vegetables there, praise God. Just a lot of chicken. If you've ever had somebody stop by in a moment of crisis, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe recovery from a, a surgery, and somebody stopped by your house and brought you a bucket of chicken, you know what they just did? They just comforted you. Guess what you can do? You can now do the same thing. You, you, can, you can go when you, so what that simply means is you can minister comfort through a bucket of chicken. I mean, I don't know about you, but chicken is pretty comforting. Right? I mean, when I'm sad and I'm hungry, I like chicken. And so you can do that. That sounds really silly. That's really funny, Pastor. You know what? It is really silly and it is really funny, but it's really ministry. A bucket of chicken is ministry. A casserole is ministry, right? All that stuff is ministry. If somebody has done it to you, you can do it to somebody else. If you've ever received an encouraging text when you were discouraged and having a hard day, guess what? When you meet somebody that's discouraged, you can send them a text. And you know what you can do? You th me just, I'll just give you all special permission. to. You can go to that text that encourages you. You can just hit copy, change the name, 
put it in their text, send it to them. Because let me tell you what I know. If those words encouraged you, they'll encourage others. See, ministry is not giving what you don't have. Ministry is simply receiving from God and then giving to others. It's comforting others, ministering to others, loving others, sharing with others what God has shared with you. And everybody in this room can do that. Now, let me give you, let me give you a little question. We, we have a thing among our leadership team we call the connection question. Today, I'm going to call it the participation question. Because... We're all amen and chicken, right? We're all, we're all in favor. But if you're not careful, you'll leave here today still a theater Christian. And you'll go home and say, man, wouldn't that a great message about chicken today? KFC's going to do a lot of business today because of me. So let, let me ask you the participation question because what you may not know about Liberty Church is we love people coming together on Sunday morning, but we don't measure the success of our church by how many people come to Sunday morning worship. We measure the success of our church by two things. We measure the success, well, outside of these two things. Before somebody comes to Christ, the number one goal is to see people saved and come to know Jesus. That's ultimate. Once a person gets saved and comes to know Jesus, we have two measurements of how we feel like, hey, we are succeeding as a church. And here's the connection question that we have. How do we know we are succeeding as a church? We ask the question, how many people are in a small group and how many people are on a ministry team, the dream team? So we call that our connection question. So today I'm going to call it the participation question. How many of you are in a small group? And I know we're just on a little break right now. We just come off summer and we're about to start back up. But how many of you are in a small group and how many of you are serving on one of our dream teams? Because if you're, that's good. Y'all didn't have to raise your hands. That's really good. So don't look at the people who didn't raise their hands, but let me just say this to you. Y'all just messed me up. What are y'all doing? Y'all are so good. Y'all are just like, yeah, I'm on it too. So here's the thought. <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, <laughs> nobody look, right? I'm going to look down right here. So if you didn't raise your hand, you're a spectator. If you didn't raise your hand, if you're not in a group and you're not on a team, you're a spectator. You're coming to church every Sunday watching the show. And we're glad you're coming. And we want you to keep coming. And we want you to bring people with you. But I want you to understand, the goal of our church is not to get you in a seat on Sunday morning. The goal of our church is to get you in a group. Why? Because when you get in a small group, you begin to participate in Christian living. You begin to get in an environment where you can really find a safe place to learn how to minister to others the way God has ministered to you. And you begin to build relationships and cultivate and stir up the things that God has purposed for your life. And then when you get on a dream team, which is what we call our volunteer teams here at the church, and you start serving God here through our local church, all of a sudden you are now what we consider connected. And you are participating in the life of the church and this is what I know I know this I know that if you cannot participate and use your gifts in church where everybody loves you and cares about you you're probably not participating out in the world where everybody doesn't love and care about you and so I want to encourage you today why did I say I say that because I want to encourage you to say yes to God answer the invitation every week at 1130 we have what we call our connection track it is four weeks Somebody say four weeks. four weeks. 
How many know you can do anything for four weeks? Right? I can almost hold my breath for four weeks. You can do anything for four. I can go four weeks without eating chicken. I can do that. You can do anything for four weeks. Four weeks at 11.30, we have our connection track. What is that? The purpose of the connection track is to do those two things. Number one, or really three things. Number one, we want to make sure you know who Jesus is. Because if you're not saved and you go to hell, nothing really matters. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> After that, once you get saved, we want to make sure that you get in a group and you get on a team. And we want to help you find a place, find a group, and find a team that best, best fits you, your season of life, your environment that you're now living in. Because we're all in different seasons, and depending on the season of your life may determine the group that you need to be in, and it may determine the team that you need to be on. But you need to be on a team, and you need to be in a group in order to participate. If, uh, if not, you're a spectator. And I'm going to start charging 1075 to get in every week. And $450 for popcorn and a Coke, right? Isn't that amazing? I'm like, man. All right. Y'all got me? We good on that one? All right, let's look at number four. This is great. Number four, here it is. The fourth invitation is an invitation of elevation. God wants to promote you. God wants to elevate you to a place of influence and impact where your life has ripples. God wants to elevate you and promote you to a place of influence and impact where your life has ripples, where there is a ripple effect from your life. Now, we've all experienced the ripple effect of our negativity, the ripple effect of our sin, the ripple effect of our negative choices, but what would happen if you got elevated to a place in Christ that God promoted you to a place of influence and impact, that there was a ripple effect for the glory of God that went from generation to generation to generation because that's exactly what can happen when you submit your life and say yes to this fourth invitation. The Bible says that the curse in Deuteronomy goes four generations, but for those who love God and obey His commandments, their children will be blessed for a thousand generations. That's insane. Right? A thousand generations. You talk about a ripple effect. You talk about impact. You talk about influence that a thousand generations from now my kids are going to serve God. Because of what I did here today and with my life. That's, that's influence. When people you'll never meet in the flesh will be impacted by your life because you decided to say yes to the invitation of God to elevation. So this is how elevation works in the kingdom. God invites me and you to lay down our lives through love for others. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says, by this we know love. Because he, the he there is Jesus, laid down his life for us. God removed the love question on the cross. You don't know God loves you because of how people treat you. You know God loves you because Jesus died on the cross for you. And if you think about that for just a minute, if somebody dies for you, what else do they need to do to show you how much they love you? Kind of just seals the question, doesn't it? By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brother. Now, before anybody gets really nervous and you start thinking, I don't want to die before I leave church today. Jesus clarifies this, or the word of God clarifies it. Look at the next verse. What does it mean to lay down our lives? But whosoever has this world's goods, that's money, possessions, whatever it is you have, 
and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So what is he talking about when he says, I want you to lay down your life for your brother? He's talking about, I want you to live a life of sacrificial love. See, when you love somebody, you begin to make sacrifices. See, the, 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 the invitation of elevation only happens through sacrifice. Let me give you one more point. Let's look at your next line. The invitation of elevation is literally an invitation to leadership. And man, this next point excited me. The Lord spoke this to me this week, and I just had one of them praise fits all by myself. I'm like, God, that is so awesome. Ministry is distribution. Leadership is sacrifice. Ministry is distribution. See, ministry is simply giving to others what God gave to me. Jesus said it this way, right? He said, freely you have received, so freely give. How many of you know you didn't pay anything for your salvation? You didn't pay anything for your healing. You didn't pay anything for your deliverance. You didn't pay anything for your restoration. As a matter of fact, if you'd have got what you'd have deserved, you'd get hell. It was all free, right? God saved you. Salvation is free. Deliverance is free. Healing is free. Redemption is free. All those things that we receive from God, we don't receive them because we purchased them or earned them. We receive them because God, by His grace, freely made them available to whosoever would believe. And so ministry is simply distribution. Ministry is what I receive from God, I just give to others. And it didn't cost me anything. Right, I can share salvation because salvation didn't cost me anything. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like God giving me $5. I got $5 right here. And uh, Richard, come up here and help me. And Junior, come up here and help me also. So the Lord, the Lord blesses me. And just stand right there and we'll face the crowd. And you stand right there, Junior. So the Lord bless me, God gives me $5. Praise God, I have a need and God blesses me with it. Let's just say this is my salvation. I didn't earn it, God just gave me salvation. And all of a sudden, I can, I can, I can give that to Richard. How many know it didn't cost me anything? And then Richard gives it to Junior, and it didn't cost him anything. And then Junior gives it back to me because it's my $5. And uh, <laughs> we all walk away, didn't lose nothing, Right? Right? Now that's ministry. Ministry is that. That's ministry. That's exactly what happens through ministry. So ministry, God gives me something that didn't cost me anything. I got saved free. I got delivered free. I got healed free. And then I just simply share that, right? I'm just going to do it again. I share that with Richard. Richard shares that with Junior. Junior gives it back to me. Thank you very much. And, hey, we just ministered. We just ministered healing, deliverance, salvation, redemption. And it was simply, all we did was distribute what God gave us, Right? Didn't cost me anything, didn't cost Richard anything, didn't cost Junior anything. Well, let's imagine, let's take a shift to leadership. So, so I'm going to give this to Richard, and Richard's going to give it to Junior, and Junior's going to put it in his pocket. And that cost me $5. <laughs> no, you keep it. It's yours. That's leadership. That's leadership. And that's what God's calling us to. That's what, that's what the, the invitation of elevation is all about. It's, it's about God inviting us to begin to lay down our lives for other people to make sacrifices. Let's give these guys a round of applause. <laughs> Man, they got it bad, don't they? Let me give you this last thought. I want you to see this. Ministry doesn't really cost you anything. Leadership does. 
And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, Keith, he said, the greatest example of leadership is godly parents. That's what he said to me. He said, the greatest example of leadership is godly parents. Because if you had godly parents, or maybe you are a godly parent, I hope you are, you know what, what godly parents do is godly parents minister to their children, right? What they have, they give, right? Man, they eat my food. <laughs> they use my power. They drink my water. They burn my gas, right? I like that little Tim Hawkins video. Did y'all see that at the beginning? Sometimes I want to tell Levi that. Just run to the gym. <laughs> Ministry. Parents, godly parents minister to their kids. They take what they have. And they freely give it. But, many, but parents don't stop there. Godly parents don't stop with just giving their kids what they have. They actually make sacrifices for their kids to have more than them. To have better than them. To experience things they could never experience in their life. They actually sacrifice their time. They sacrifice their sleep. They sacrifice their energy. They sacrifice their own dreams and visions in order to see the dreams and visions of their children fulfilled. Right? Isn't that what godly parents do? One of my favorite, favorite quotes is a story about Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. was being interviewed and, and in, in his office he had a picture on the wall of a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. And, and as a reporter was interviewing him, he asked him a question. He said, man, that's the weirdest picture I've ever seen in my life. He said, well, why do you have a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post? He said, well, because every time I look at that picture, he said, I'm reminded of this simple statement. That when you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you automatically know that somebody else put him there. And he said, every day I want to be reminded that I am where I am today, not by my own sacrifice, but by the sacrifice of others. And if you think about your life today, you are where you are today because somebody made a sacrifice. Oh yeah, you had to sacrifice. You had to pay some price. You had to do some things. But you know what? You didn't get where you are today solely off your sacrifice. You got where you are today because somebody else loved you enough to lay down their life for you. And I just thought, man, God, what an honor. What an honor to be able to do the same for somebody else. What an honor to be able to live a life of sacrifice. To answer the invitation of elevation. That last statement on the screen, if we'll look at it, it's the last point on your outline. It simply says this. It says that God wants to elevate you. You can go back to that. God wants to elevate you to a place of honor and respect. This only happens through sacrifice. See, the pathway to promotion in the kingdom of God is one way. There's only one pathway to promotion. Sacrifice. That's it. God does not promote gifts. Don't matter how gifted you are, God don't promote you. I'm just telling you right now, there are millions of people that are more gifted than anybody you've ever heard sing and they'll never stand on a stage in church and lead people into worship because until they're willing to sacrifice their vision and their agenda for God's glory, it'll never happen. There are, there are speakers that would speak me into the ground. I mean, I can't even begin to hold a candle to some of the greatest speakers in the world. There are some of those guys who will never have an opportunity to stand on a stage and do what I'm doing here today because pride and arrogance causes them to live for themselves 
instead of to be willing to sacrifice for others. God doesn't promote you because of your gift. God doesn't promote you because of your education. God doesn't promote you because of your position in society. God doesn't promote you because of your financial status or your prestige. God promotes people based on sacrifice. Look at the scripture here, Philippians. When he, speaking of Jesus, appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Why did God elevate Jesus to the place of highest honor? It wasn't because he was his only begotten son. It wasn't because he healed more people than anybody else healed. It wasn't because he preached better sermons than anybody else preached. It wasn't because he multiplied more fish and more loaves than anybody else had ever multiplied. It wasn't because he raised more people from the dead than anybody had raised from the dead. It wasn't because his signs, his wonders, and his miracles. God elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor and gave him a name above every name. Why? Because Jesus sacrificed his life on a cross. It was his sacrifice that caused God to elevate him. Now Jesus was Jesus and Jesus was the Son of God and nothing could have changed that but the fact that today we cry out that there is only one name given under heaven whereby man must be saved. That name, Jesus, was elevated to the highest place of honor because of sacrifice. Let me tell you men something this morning. I talk to men all the time, and men's greatest needs, one of the greatest needs in the men of a man, heart of a man is respect. Men want to be respected, and probably nothing wounds the heart of a man like being disrespected by his wife or his children. But let me tell you how you earn respect. Sacrifice. You make sacrifices for your family, and your family will honor and respect you. You make sacrifices for the people on your job. You know what will happen? You want to get the promotion on your job? You know how you get the promotion on your job? It's really simple. You make sacrifices for your job. And when your boss looks at who he's going to promote, he's not going to promote the guy that comes in late every day and wants to leave early every day. He's going to promote the guy that makes sacrifices and says, I'm going to do whatever we need to do to get the job done. See, how do you earn, how do you get promotion? It's really simple. You make sacrifices. How do you earn respect? It's really simple. You make sacrifices. And today God is inviting us to a place of highest honor. There's only one name given under heaven by which men can be saved. That name is Jesus. But God has a significant role in his story. He's put your name on. And it is a place of honor. And it is a place of respect. And God wants you to fill that role. How do you do it? By participation and by elevation. I have to be willing to give to others what God's given to me. And I have to be willing to begin to lay down my life through love so that other people can experience who God is.